there's nothing that took away the pride I felt when I got promoted to director. I'm not gonna lie. Because I, because I worked very hard to get it. Challenges, battles, things, everything you have that is makes you you is still there. It's, it's a title. I've read somewhere, I think it was Lovey. She posted something on Instagram of like how all job titles are rented anyway. You're just renting them onto the next person. And when I read that, I was just like, that is so true. And it just made me really like, okay. And it started that journey of me not being defined by my job, not being defined by my Neville, because this is, I think this is a thing, another motivator for me in terms of building my personal brand, because I, I didn't want to be tied to something because it didn't define, it's, it's, it's one facet of who I am. And welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Leadership. And today I have the pleasure of talking to an amazing guest. And normally you hear me introduce my guests. But today I'm like, no, let's, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. I've got Chi Chi in the building. And I'm going to ask her to introduce herself. And she actually hates me for this. But why not? Let's do something different. Chi Chi, how are you doing? I am very well, Shelby. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for springing this introduction onto me. But um, who am I? It's such an interesting question because I think for the past year, I've spent a lot of time decoupling my identity from my job title. So um, who am I? I'm Chichi. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I've got two great kids. I'm happily married. I am a leadership coach. I am a creator. I'm a creative. I'm very much passionate about making things and building things. I really love helping others to discover the gifts that they have inside themselves and explore their potential and help them achieve great things. And yeah, I'm in a season of change right now. So that is who I am in a bit of a nutshell. So yeah. I love that. So it's quite interesting when when people do that because so I'll have gone with award-winning executive coach, previous head of leadership at Multiverse, been in the game working with HSBC for years, been in different publications that people have heard about, you know, LinkedIn Top Voice, those are the accolades. But actually what's more important to you is exactly you talking about what you did, the differences that you make in people's lives. And that for me is sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's it's so interesting because I've spent a lot of time over my career being or feeling defined by a title it's very easy when you meet people to oh hey what's your name what do you do and that one sentence can either make you feel really excited to be like yes I do this or really like you know this what I do doesn't weigh up or measure up I remember when I had my daughter and I was on maternity leave and I had just left HSBC at the time to go on maternity leave and I, be- I, be- I immediately became COB's mum like I didn't I lost my name. <laughs> you go through this major identity crisis of like, so what do you do? You're like, well, I'm not returning to leave. I'm this. So I've learned over the years to kind of always be asking myself, like, who who am I? I mean, these are the things that I can, you know, here are my receipts, of course. Like, you know, there's there's no denying that. But when you take all of those things away, like, who 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 am I? And that's, that's who I am. And those are things that matter to me the most. What do you think about 
an um, identity to one. It's quite easy for us to lean into organizations, corporates, like you said, being a mother or kind of, but I want to, let's run it back a bit. What was teenage Chi-Chi like? Teenage Chi-Chi. So I am the first of six children. And as a teenager, I was somebody, if you talk to my parents, in fact, my dad always shares a story when I was five. He found me kind of like in a sea of newspapers, just kind of like had them all over, spread over the living room. And he was just like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm looking for common sense. Because he told me like, he had said something about like, oh, you need to have common sense. And I was like, looking for common sense. So I've always been this very curious child. I've always been this person who likes to research and read and like, you know, my favorite things at home as a child was like, I had Encarta, like, you know, this is back before Google, like the full collection of Encarta. That was my happy place. The library was my happy place because it's just like access to knowledge and information. So as a teenager, I was someone who was, I was very focused as the eldest, you know, we we didn't have a lot of money, we were working class. My parents were working really hard. And I knew that one, as a first generation immigrant, university was the next calling card. So it's like all the stuff to get you there. Two, I also knew because finances were tight, as soon as I turned 16, I was like, let me go and get myself a job. Um, and I remember having like two jobs at the time. And so on Saturdays, I'd go and work at like this clothing shop from morning to like six. And then I'd run across Manchester to Pizza Hut and then do like seven till midnight. But I was like, I can do it. I'm going to do it. So there was that. And then as the eldest, I always heard like, you're the eldest you gotta set a good example so I was never I never I was never the party I was never I was just like very much like I have a goal and I need to do that so I was very focused on how can I just learn new stuff my dad at the time had his own business and so I'd spend my summers there so that's where I learned how to like use computers and design stuff and lots of things because I just like learning skills and I like to do all that so that was always mean I was quite entrepreneurial so I'd go with my mom to like the cash and carry and get like <laughs> loads of chocolate sweets and crisps and sell them to my siblings for a profit because I was like well why not to my siblings to my siblings because they can't go out and get stuff so like come and get them for me I will you know I'll happily oblige so that was me as a child as a teenager I loved learning I loved school I was one of those people who I remember getting a detention for like the first time ever what did I get it for I think either talking or homework was like or something something that, that's just not in my nature and I was devastated I was like my record so whatever but I love school and I love having teachers who were able to see that in me and nurture that in me so I was very focused like I need to do well in school because I need to get to university so I can get a good job that was always the plan so yeah that was me for those who don't know what Encarta is it's like think Google but in books like that's what I mean, you have to manually you have to manually go through Loads and loads and loads. They had some great pictures for it. But yeah, so for young guns thinking, what else an encounter again? That's what it is. Okay. So you've always been that entrepreneur, curious child. And um when you he talked about the progression was go to university, was that any ever any doubt, not been doubt, what should I say, any delineation in your mind that you know what I can do something differently or was it always no that's the route that's what stayed in front of me that's what I'm going to do that was always the route my parents were teachers and at the time there wasn't any other options so it's not like today where you can go and do an apprenticeship you can go and like not go to university you can you know do something else at the time 
and it makes me feel really old but like that was the option that was what everybody was doing and it felt the very most natural thing to do but I also knew for me it was the last thing I said to myself it's the last thing I'm doing for my parents not in a kind of like mean way but like this is my last obligation to them you know they've come into the UK they built their lives here my last gift to them is like I'll go to university and I'll go to a good university and I'll get a good grade but after that it's time for me to like do the thing that I want to do so yeah there was always that focus because I, I, if I think about it there wasn't no other thing to do it's like if you didn't go to university then they'd be like well what are you doing in your life so it was like go to university and the question was like not if but like where are you planning to go and like working towards that so yeah I, I didn't know you grew up in Manchester I did I'm a Mancunian the accent comes out sometimes when I'm tired because I've I'm, I'm never, never heard accent before. So I'm like, wait a minute, why are you going to Manchester? Okay. I'm my family. My accent comes out strong. But I, I, it's, it's become refined over the years. I've lived, when did I move down to 20s? Yeah, so it's probably like I've spent half my life down south and or half my life up north. So, yeah. And then went into finance and fell well, up. <laughs> when I was reading, I actually know this, but I started laughing because I did economics at uni. So I was in, I went down to finance first. How the hell we did the same thing, man? <laughs> we're kind of kind of from day up before you actually start moving into another different area of, of your life. But even at that point in time when you were doing and studying finance, I'm curious, why did you choose finance? I know the reasons I had, because mine was very much like I wanted to have a broad approach to life. And finance was the one thing that had that. So I'm serious. Was that similar to you or was there a particular reason you looked for finance? Yeah, good question. So I knew I didn't want to be a doctor, just no way. Because you know when they present all the options, like doctor, lawyer, just felt too long. Engineering wasn't even interested in that. I, funnily, I wanted to be an accountant. Now, if you know me, that's the most randomest thing. But like, with going into university, that was the mindset. I like wanted to do accountancy. And my course was business finance. The very first, so accountancy modules on Monday mornings. And so after doing that for like a semester, I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do accounting. I don't really enjoy this that much. But I knew I wanted to work in finance because I was always a researcher and I was looking, okay, what careers could I go down? How could I leverage the things that I'm interested in? So having seen my biz, my dad build his business, I was like, okay, finance, business, I'm interested in that. At school, I loved business studies and I loved economics. I loved learning how the economy worked. I loved learning about at that time this is when we we're about to enter i think the euro was coming out and all sorts of things i love seeing all the macro and micro economics of life and so that's what kind of was the thing that made me want to go into that and then i also knew that if i want to get a good job then i need to join a graduate program and all the graduate programs i was looking at were like banks so initially i was like investment banking this looks too hard for me like i'm a smart person but i wouldn't say like maths and all of that sort of stuff is something that I have to work really hard for those things to really click with me. And I just looked at that, I was like, mm, no. So I looked, I went into banking, but I went to my, more like commercial finance. So when I joined HSBC, I was in their commercial banking program where you're working with the high street. So like the the business clients that you see on the high street, not the big corporates and that sort of thing. And I was like, I really enjoy that. I understand that. And that's what I did. So yeah, it came from that stem of like, I enjoy, I like how the economy works and that's interesting to me. But then when I went into the course, the nuance of being an accountant was just boring. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So that's what, <laughs> that's what prompted me. And then when I went into working in HSBC, again, I loved, this is how you kind of start to get kind of clues around what you enjoy. I really enjoyed, so I had like a, I had a, what we call a portfolio. I had about 200 small business customers that I was looking after. 
in Manchester. And as their bank manager, I'd go and see them and like, how you doing, Mr. Smith? Like, tell me about your business, what are your plans, what's all this and everything. And I loved those. I loved walking up and down the high street and these are my customers. I look after them, that sort of thing. And then I get back to the office and it's like, oh, and how many business credit cards did you sell? And how many did it? And I'm like, well, I didn't sell a business credit card because he didn't need one. But we talked about his like business strategy and I gave him some ideas about how you can do X, Y, Z. But that wasn't like what the wasn't valued. So immediately already I realized like I'm not into sales in that sense. And I really like helping people. I'm able to sort of see and solve problems. And I think this problem solving mindset was something that became really hyper aware for me. Like, oh yeah, I'm really good at solving problems. So that's what I enjoyed most about that role. So that's brilliant though. I think that speaks to I think a lot of times people are like, Oh, what do, what do I do next? Or I don't have clarity. And there are times where you're like, Well, oh, go and do something or go and do go their thin because actually in that you discover a lot about yourself. Like you were able to discover that, yeah, you know, I don't want to sell the credit cards to people I don't need it, but I know what it is I enjoy, I know what path I want to lean into next. And that's where that kind of unravels. Rather than trying to think through things for yourself or in your head, which never goes anywhere. You just end up going around in circles and wasting so much energy. I knew I had the plan, like I had the plan to get to university, uh, get a graduate job. That was the ultimate goal. Beyond that, I didn't know where my career would go. I firmly at that time thought, yeah, finance is for me. That's what I want to go and do. So I followed that pathway. I did all the internships. I did all the things that you need to do so you can get yourself a good graduate job. So I was one of those fortunate people going into third year with a job offer. So I was like, great, I can just put my head down and focus on my final year. But beyond that, and this is why I always say to people now, it's, it's sort of, we have all these degrees and everything. And it's, it's the, it's, what's the word now? That's all you need to get your first job. The goal is to get your first job. Once you're in your first job, nobody ever asked me, where did I go to university? Nobody ever asked me what degree I did. Nobody cared. They were like, okay, show me what you've done. Show me what you can do. So that's the thing. I, I was like, I need to just get to that final destination of like I'm in an organization that's great and then I can like get control of my career that way and I really I've always loved HSBC I just I don't know what it was about them I just loved them as an organization I loved they were international I just it was my bank is my very first bank so I think that's weird loyalty I was like I'd love to work with HSBC I got my first mortgage from there when I was like 22 so like I have a lot of loyalty to that bank but um yeah so I was really pleased to work there did you ever start to think at that point in time when you're working with so many other businesses, you wanted to create your own thing? Not in the early stages, but as I, what was it, when, when I became pregnant and I was like thinking about this realistically of like, how am I going to be commuting into London five days a week and with a baby and all that sort of thing. And at that point at HSBC, I'd moved into different roles and I'd moved from the laws to the South Island head office now. And I enjoyed what I did, but I didn't love it. So at the time, I had just worked on Apple Pay as a project. So I was in the, the team's called UK Transformation. It's the team that does all the projects internally and externally for HBC. So I'd done Apple Pay. That was such a fun project, working with Apple, that sort of thing. And I was responsible for the marketing work stream. That was when I was like, oh, I like marketing. Like, so that thing that I was doing with those small business customers was marketing. I was actually helping them to market their business. I didn't know what it was called at the time. And then it was like, okay, how would I get myself into marketing? I looked at the route internally and I was like, this is too convoluted. So when I got pregnant, I was going on maternity leave. I was like, I'm just going to figure this thing out myself. And went on maternity leave and I was like, okay, I have kind of a year to like try different things. That's when I started my very first business. I mean, 
I, I trained as, I, I discovered this thing called virtual assisting. I became a virtual assistant, first of all. I was like, okay, let me just like see what, I, you know, I could do this from home, got internet. So I was doing that and I started working with some small businesses, doing their marketing, creating like templates for like Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of thing, email marketing. And then at the same time, I also trained as a childminder. So this is, this is me. I'm like, I go all in on these things. I'm like, okay, what can I do that will keep me at home? So I was like, okay, if I'm a childminder, I can look after my own daughter. And then I didn't want to look after other babies. I was like, if I do like the pre-school, um, before school and after school shift, then I have the day with my daughter and then like, in the morning they'll drop the kids so they'll drop I had like these two little boys who would get dropped off at like seven o'clock I'll give them breakfast I'll look after them then I'll take them to school have the day with my daughter three o'clock go and pick them up so that's what I did for like six nine months so I had, that's what that was like my first foray into like entrepreneurship and I was like I've got this little business here and then I've got like this virtual assisting thing which kind of grew into sort of doing websites and more strategy stuff and then like transitioning into sort of coaching but that's how it all started and, and you just learn the hard way around like getting customers who is my ideal customer how much should i charge i remember like one christmas time doing some i'd done this like offer whilst creating like these meme templates for clients and i remember like it was christmas eve i was creating so many of these things i was like i didn't charge enough for this this is just not a good use of my time or money and that's what I, that was my first thing into like you need to price your time properly so that like, you just learn the hard ways but i loved it i love the fact that i could be in my house I had internet, I could earn money from my house, my laptop. I was just like, this is amazing. Like, how do I do it more? So that was, yeah, that was 2012. Like, 2012? Yeah, 2012. It's got a different mindset though, because some people will be like, yo, I've, I've just got, I've just got a kid. Like, that's a, that's a full-time job in itself, looking, looking after your child. Let alone thinking, what other side hustles can I take on? What else can I learn to then help me to generate more income? So there's something around there where I'm like, just do skip over that like what is that where's that drive come from to be able to think differently to be able to think outside the box or to think about all right let me learn that so i can do this and because i want to stay at home it's a good, it's a good question this is just where my, my mind works I was, I I was like okay i don't want to go back to hsbc because it's gonna be really hard with a baby and to be fair i'm not really enjoying it anyway and i don't want to still sort of do that same sort of role i want to move into marketing and this is where this is where I said my love of reading. I remember just I don't even know why I saw it. I saw this book around getting into virtual assisting, and I was like, okay, let me just try it. So like, I I don't mind a level of risk. I don't mind taking risks because I'm like, well, if I if I if it works, great. If it don't work, then okay, fine. I love something. So for me, I was just okay. This child, I I don't know because it's mad when I think about it. <laughs> it's like I literally had given birth to my daughter. She's like four or five days old. I'm a mom, mother-in-law, my husband watching her while I went to like the local council for like like their introduction to child minding course like this hour course thing it was just my <laughs> that was just me so I just you know because I, I knew there was a bigger picture there was a bigger plan I was like if I get this then I can you know it's, it's a really great way for me to stay at home and earn money and then I also knew at that time like with babies when they're really young a lot of the time they're going to be sleeping anyway and me I'm just I'm, I just like to just, just keep my mind going so that was for me I wasn't one of those moms who would go to the parent and toddler groups and just hang out there. I just didn't. I went to a couple and I was like, nah, something. <laughs> Even to this day, like, I'll do some parent, I'll do some stuff, but I'm just, I, I'm just not that parent. And the parent will go up to the on the playground with headphones in, listen to a podcast, wait for my son, and then go. And I know it's not brilliant, but like, I just, that's the way. <laughs> I'll I make an effort sometimes, but I just, yeah, I wasn't about to spend like a year 
just I, yeah, it's that whole thing like similar to what we were talking about before in this season even now fine I'm on sabbatical but I'm like what what do I want to be learning you know what do, what books do I actually want to read how do I want to use this time to develop my mind so I'm, I'm like looking at different things and it's like those are things that will keep me stimulated while I rest because that is like rest for me <laughs> it's weird but that's do you know what I mean so that's that's how I just think what's the difference between loving and enjoying in what context because earlier you mentioned that I was I was no longer loving work I wasn't just enjoying it and I'm curious how do you know the difference between one and the other one I think it depends on different things so at that moment in time I enjoy the organization I work for like I think you know HBC were a great company to work for I wasn't loving the work I was doing because I knew I've learned this over the years the kind of person I am I know the kind of things that I like to do so I'll go and give something a go but when I start to love sorry lose the love it's because I feel like I'm no longer in my element meaning I'm no longer doing something that plays to my skills my strengths I'm not growing and to feel a little bit stuck so you're sort of going through the motions when work starts to feel like that that's when it's a problem and I have felt that in all lots of different roles you know in the last organization I work with again great organization but you will go through seasons where you're like this role is no longer aligned anymore and I can do it but how long can you just do something and just not feel because for me we spend so much time at work if you're not growing if you're not enjoying it and again something that makes it enjoyable is colleagues so again you could be working with really great people not really loving the day-to-day but because you're around great people that also helps to extend how long you might stay somewhere so but ultimately you'll just take a step back and say is this doing it for me so for me it wasn't anymore and by that time you know culminatively if I say that word I've spent a lot of time at HBC I joined as a graduate I worked my way through and did lots of different jobs so it's that thing of like is now the time to go and often it is you often know when it's time to like move on to something else how did you make that decision then for your own business? Because then you obviously you moved into Motorist, which is brand new, exciting. But also, I know you say you're not risk averse and you don't completely lean to the other side of things, but it's still a brand new startup with this, this new approach. So why did you decide to step into that? Yeah, when I joined Multiverse, back then it was White Hat. So that year, 2018, I was on sabbatical again. So I had been running my own business for like five years. So at this point, I'd left HSBC fully. I was in my business full time. And then 2017, again, it's those things like outwardly, you will kind of, everything looks great and good, but then you realize everything looks great, but then I was burnt out. I was just burnt out. So at that time, I I, and I also felt God saying to me like, you need to stop, stop everything. So I literally stopped everything, had a business, closed everything down and just went on this like, sabbatical or whatever you call it like I didn't know what the end goal was going to be I didn't know where I was going to end up but I knew that I needed to stop so I spent 2018 in that space and when my friend towards the end of 18 sent me this link she's like I've seen this role I think you really enjoy it because it was time was like coaching and marketing so it's like a marketing coach I was like okay looks interesting I googled couldn't find anything at the time they didn't have a lot of stuff about them on there but I was curious because I've run my own business. I felt like it's a nice transition back into the world of work. You're working for a startup. So you still have to have that entrepreneurial mindset. 
but you're still going to get that steady paycheck. Because even in that 2018 year, I was on sabbatical around August, September time. I did a, a kind of a contract for three months. They were like the worst payers. So you do the work. It's time to get paid. You would never see your money. Um, and then it was like the final straw was when it was Christmas. They paid all their employees and pay any of their contractors. And you're, the office is small. The CEO is there. Just blank you and just say nothing. I was just like, this is not great. So when I, so I thought, okay, well, at least if you're going to work somewhere, there's a stability of the salary, but also it's a brand new startup. There's like 50 people there. You're going to get a chance to bring all those skills that you have. And I thought this is a great, it's like a safe environment to do that. Uh, and like I said, I was burnt out. I was tired. I was exhausted. And while I had run my business for like five years, I was just like, I needed change. And, but I was also quite low in confidence as well, because I remember saying to my coach at the time, I was like, isn't this like failing? I'm going back to work. Like I failed. And she's like, why would you see it that way? You know, it's like a season. It's a different thing. So that was, that was what drew me. I was like, I'm going to go and do something I enjoy. The two things that I enjoy, coaching, marketing. It's a place where I can really get to grow. And it's that whole thing of like all the different things you've done beforehand will come and help you loads in it. And I found that a lot. You know, running my own business just gives you a different mindset when you're working at a startup. Because startup life is hard. But then if you work for yourself, it's hard. So you just have that level of resilience that you just keep going. You're very resourceful. You're very creative. You're very kind of, you know, you're constantly solving problems. So the, the that transition was quite good. If I'd gone from like sabbatical back into a corporate, I think it would be quite hard because, you know, I've, the last five years I've been working for myself and now I'm like uh, back working with somebody else in that way. What led to um, your burnout before you joined? Because you're thinking you're at home, working for yourself, being an entrepreneur is hard. But what created that burnout for you? To doing too much. So like if I was in business now, when I reflect on that, that time, did I write so bad in the book? I think I did. I did. You don't know what you don't know when you run a business. And I remember doing this launch to launch this group coaching program. And it was a really successful launch. Like I was really proud of myself. I'd like worked really hard to like sell all the spaces. And it was like this six month program, I think it was. And that was the thing that allowed me to be like, yep, page species, bye. Like, we're not coming back. But then I didn't realise, and this is what you learned, that like, whilst I was busy there delivering this wonderful programme, I needed to still be marketing and doing all the other stuff because this programme finished and I was like, oh, I have no clients. Like, I don't have, I haven't got anything. So I went into this kind of panic mode of trying to do all the things. And I spent that kind of 2017 year just like trying to do all the things. I wasn't very focused on my approach to what I'm doing. And obviously as a self-employed person, the pressure financially to like manage all of that and do all of that. And at the time, at that time I then had two kids. It just was too much. So it got to a point where I was just like, this was just not working. So there's many things that I would do differently if that time came again. But also there's things that I've just learned over the years of like, you know, the planning and thinking like what's the long-term thing you're trying to do here? How are you making sure like you're going to cover everything? How do you make sure things keep moving when you're delivering? All of that is just like lessons. But, you know, if I hadn't gone through that experience, then I wouldn't know that now. But that's what contributed to it as well. Because I, I'd left HSBC, was running my business for a little bit. I had my second child. I actually went back to HSBC for a year. It wasn't even up to a year. It's like six months, seven months. I was like, nope, cannot do this. Because it was like, I'm going to drop two kids off at a child at like seven o'clock in the morning to get a 7.30. I was like, 
that didn't last very long. My husband was also working away a lot. So he is a consultant. So he was like flying out on a mon- Sunday night, flying back on a Thursday. So imagine two kids. All the- he was just too much. So I, I just, yeah, I just started to stop and reassess, <laughs> reassess life. Like what way? I was like, what am I going to do now? So yeah. So going back into paid employment was probably the most stable thing for me to do at that point after that time. If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's a podcast worth listening to. Which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. What you, what you mentioned there though was that struggle is real, even though it's the most stable thing to do. You feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel like a failure or me going back in, is that a step backwards? That's some of the reasons why we find people sometimes struggling to keep on going with something they don't need to let go of. And I think it's a really, really important point and knowing that things operate in seasons, in chapters and be like, this is just for this period. I can transfer those skills into something else. And then down the line, I'm able to move into another thing like, there's what it is, that's just life. But we can easily hold up to something like, no, I don't want people to think I'm a failure. But And you just end up hurting yourself and those around you. So, so true. And I had to learn that because I felt that way 100%. You know, if you think at that time, I was very prominent on Facebook. I had a Facebook group with like almost 4,000 people in. I had a business and everything. I had a podcast. I just released a book. So to basically then say, guys, killing everything. It was like to the outside, it just like, this does not make sense. So of course those feelings of like failure were very strong because it's sort of like, oh, I could have made it work if I just hold it a little bit longer, but it was just destroying me. So when I went back to work, to pay, sorry, to employment in that sense, I had to wrestle those feelings. Cause I was, I just, yeah, you know, what's it gonna look like? All, all the different things. And even like, I had to stay off social for a while. Cause I just like, it's too triggering. <laughs> because it was just reminders and then to see people who were like behind me kind of surpass me in their own entrepreneurial journey with just felt really like uh, as well but then again I agree it's about seasons and I very much felt God led me to to multiverse to go to to and be there for four years learn a hell of a lot I had amazing opportunities there I grew so much as an individual and is that has made me a much better entrepreneur you know you know going back into that path if i when, when that time is right to go back and do that so you know i genuinely that at the time it's hard uh, at the time we don't sit there with a crystal ball to be like you know if, if someone said to me in 2018 this is what's going to happen and you're going to do this and you're going to get this thing and work up what's person and get these you know and come out the other end of course you'd be like sure let's do it but you don't know those things and you go into it and in the middle of that we have a two-year pandemic so uh, you just don't know. So it's really trusting. This is why, like, you know, my faith is really important. Like, I've heard God clearly say, and you know what God is like? If you don't listen, he'll just find a way to make you stop anyway. So it got to a point where, like, things that I was doing that I knew had worked in the past just stopped working. And I was like, okay, fine. God, fine. We'll stop. And that was what it is. And that's and, and we just, you know, went with his plan. So, yeah. So you go from going, listening to God, stopping, dealing with burnout, 
to a startup, 50 people, which is a highly stressful environment. Two years of that pandemic, you go from looking after a team of what, two to 200 people. It's not, it all sounds like an easy life for me right now, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to work out. <laughs> Do you know what though, I was talking to somebody about this last week. In some ways, the, progr- the, uh, the pandemic served us in lots of different ways. So from a family's perspective, it brought our family together because back before pandemic, husband and I would leave at 7.30, nanny would come in, we'd be out the door to go into London. This is when, when I was still working at Multiverse. We'd be then getting back home 6.30. So like you, so we had all of that. So the pandemic, you know, we were at home together, which was lovely. And, we, and you have amazing memories from that. At the same time, it then also, because we couldn't go out obviously, so if you had any hobbies, if you had anything else that you were doing outside of work, they all stopped because you couldn't go anywhere unless it kind of became online. So in that season, a lot of people would have found that their careers probably accelerated quite fast because actually you were doing nothing. You had you had, but you had time. And even though like my time was kind of compartmentalized because I still had to post school and do everything. When I think about those year, those two years, you know, it was fine to do like meeting after meeting after meeting after this because I wasn't taking my son football practice. I wasn't taking my daughter to youth. I wasn't taking, because we weren't going anywhere. Whereas now, like I cannot work at that same pace anymore because I have other stuff that need me. So in a way, it was hard. I won't lie. It was hard because I, in 2020, I had just been promoted into a new role in February. We heard wind of this COVID thing and we took a decision as a business to take the whole business online before Boris had even said, like, let's go into lockdown. So we did that. And then we went into lockdown. And you still need to run a business. You still need to, you know, do what you need to do. And we had to pivot the business. And a big part of my role at the time was, you know, running the half part of the delivery function, but still having to recruit lots of people remotely and learn a new role and do all of that stuff. So that's hard anyway. But I, I find that I to some extent thrive in those sorts of environments in terms of like I said it's constantly problem solving I'm constantly having to think of solutions to things I'm constantly having to be creative resourceful I love all of that but at the same time my biggest I don't want to call it regret but somebody asked me this when I was when I did sort of my leaving thing you know what's something that you would do differently and I said I would have taken my care of myself more because I didn't you know, I'm taking care of my kids, making sure that they're fine and my family's fine. I'm taking care of my team, making sure that they're fine, making sure the company's fine. Well, I want to take care of me. So that was the biggest thing. And so come 2021, I kind of hit burnout again because, I, you know, everything that had happened in those 18 months prior, you're just holding it in, holding it in, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And as we're starting to like ease back into normal life again, it's like... This is like too much. So, yeah. Wow. I think so. It's like, it's easy to pour into other people. It's easy to pour into other people, pour into other situations. Even those people can be kids, because you have to see your mother. It could be uh, um, your husband, your partner, for example, in a relationship. And you can then just put yourself right at the bottom of that and just get to the point where when you do realize sometimes it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm gone. I'm spent. So you've gone through that, you've gone through pandemic, you've done amazingly at, at Multiverse. Now that you've left, 
how are you taking care of yourself in your sabbatical then? That's a great question. Sleep. I don't play with my sleep. I used to be this like 5am gang. Like don't need to, I, no, I sleep. My husband knows very well. Like I'm like, listen, my babe, I need like seven and a half hours. It's like, it's not negotiable. And I, and it's just because I just see how much that impacts everything else. Like what I eat, how I feel, the energy, all that sort of thing. So sleep is, mm. I've always loved like journaling and being able to do all that sort of thing. And like obviously my quiet time and all that sort of thing and prayer and, and reading my Bible. But now I, again, I have more space to do that. So there's no rush. Like whereas before like, okay, five minute window to get this all done and then get the kids to school and go. Like now it's sort of like I have the day to do these things. Like I have time to read, look after my health more. So pandemic wise you sat down in a chair all day like it, it, when I was director my day was basically meetings all day every day but it's not like oh I'm running for this meeting to this meeting room I'm literally in the same spot and just in meetings all day so you're not moving you're not doing any of that and so that was you know for me a big change of just like getting more movement having more time to eat better cook better that sort of thing and then just have space to do things so one of the big transitions when i changed roles a year ago was the space to be more creative again so to start writing and that's when i was like i'm going to start writing on linkedin because i really enjoy writing but i have the headspace to do that now and that for me is like another creative outlet that takes care of me seeing people takes care of me you know i find like i get my cup really full when i was an entrepreneur like when i had my business i was I had a thing of like every week to be conscious to make sure I'd go and have coffee with somebody. Because again, as an entrepreneur, it can be very lonely and you're by yourself, working from home. So that's something that I, now I'm just like, I just want to make sure I, you know, connect with people because that really helps me. So they're, they're, they're the things. And, and just asking myself what I need. When you're so busy, you don't even have the space to like hear your body. And like, if you're tired, it's like, yeah, okay, fine, I'm tired, but I've got stuff to finish and do, I'm going to push through. Now it's like, oh, you're tired? Okay, well, just go and have a nap then. <laughs> you're tired, go sleep. <laughs> oh, just stop what you're doing, pick it up tomorrow. And that's very not like me, but actually that's the grace I give myself right now because it's I can, because I can. Do you think, um, the interesting point you, you made in there, when you talked about when you were a director, you were back to back to back meetings. Do you think titles are all people think they are? Because a lot of people line up like, I want to become, I don't know, director, VP, all that kind of stuff. As someone who's, who's been there, who's done that, who's experienced it, and obviously you stepped away from it as well. What, I guess, advice or lesson would you say you've learned from having the titles? I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, there was nothing more, I didn't, there's nothing that took away the pride I felt when I got promoted to director. I'm not going to lie. Because I, because I worked very hard to get it. And I was like, yeah. And basically, I remember when I got it, like, one of my colleagues was like, this is a lagging indicator. I was like, yeah. Because <laughs> I've been doing it anyway. So, so there was that. It was also the thing of, like, I was the most senior black person at Multiverse. And I, you know, you and said to me at the time, you know, you're the fastest person to go from like coach to director. So there's there all of that. I'm very proud. And of course you feel very important. You know, I've got my own PA now and all this sort of thing. But innately, you're still the same person. So there's still challenges, battles, things, everything you have that is makes you you is still there. So when you 
have your identity coupled to that job title. All somebody needs to do is give you any sort of indication that you're either not doing a good job or if you just did this or or take it away from you, it can destroy your world. So my advice to people is that it's, it's a title. I've read somewhere, I think it was Lovey. She posted something on Instagram about like how all job titles are rented anyway. You're just renting them to the next person. And when I read that, I was just like, that is so true. And it just made me really like, okay. And it started that journey of me not being defined by my job, not being defined by my level, because this is, I think this is a thing, another motivator for me in terms of building my personal brand, because I, I didn't want to be tied to something because it didn't define, it's, it's, it's one facet of who I am. It's not who I am. And I felt like me being able to share my stories and talk about things that matter to me outside of that sphere was more important. And it allowed me to like define who I wanted to be known as, as opposed to cheating the director of delivery. Like, okay, fine, it's a title. When I changed, um, when I changed jobs and it was something that I instigated because I was like, I need something that's just less intense. And I wanted to go down to four days a week. And again, the world was opening up again and I needed to be more available for my family. I had to go through that journey of like decoupling my value from my title because I, even though I had like a four month runway. So from when I had the conversation, they were like, fine, let's see out the financial year and then change over. When it happened, it was still very much like, am I still valuable in this organization now that I'm not in this role? Am I still important now not have this because you know in a in a in a heartbeat it's like meetings that you used to have with people no longer your diary anymore you're no longer in the inner circle anymore people come and say ask you something and they assume you know and I'm like I'm not in that world anymore I don't know so you're dealing with like phone you're dealing with this you're dealing with that and so I had to go through that process of like I'm not defined by this job and I'm not defined by this title and and the same way I do that with people I work with as as, as a coach to kind of like, who are you? That's when I had to be like, who who am I? And, and who do I want to be? You know, people ask all the time. Yeah, it's, it's a process because you're not defined by your job. You're not your job. You just, you can't be a job. If you are your job, then you put yourself in a very precarious situation where all, they could control your life because then, you know, it's that whole thing of um, if you're worried about what people think, you're basically living yourself. You're living in this prison of like, how are you doing? How are you performing? Da, 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 da. I need to do more, I need to do more, I need to do more. And I'm like, I'm not defined by that anymore. Like I said, it's it's a it's a journey though. Like it's so easy to have both of those two things intertwined. I think it's even got worse with people being even more at home now. Or those who are working hybrid where it's like, oh, this is me and oh people don't even see what I'm doing. Let me even work really, really hard. And you just get sucked in where all your thoughts are fully consumed with your work. And you can easily forget about who you are, like what you are about. It's, um, and I love the examples you gave around some of those feelings, because that's the reality to it. That's the bit I don't think people talk enough about around those, am I, am I still good enough? Am I still important? Do people still value me? Because it's good to be in that position. Like, let's, let's be real. Like, <laughs> it's good to be in those positions. Good to be in those rooms. It's good to be in the know, but there is a downside to it and walking away from that is never never easy at all it's not this podcast is sponsored by mindset shift a leadership development company focused on helping you lead from the inside out not from the outside in
We work one-on-one -on -one with senior leaders in organizations. We work directly with HR and other parts of organizations to help you create an authentic culture where your words and your values and your actions all align. We help you to navigate the complexity and the chaos that we all experience day in and day out. And we have a couple of openings for the one-to-one coaching this year but that's something that you're interested in you want to work with a coach who can help you navigate this year to ensure that you're intentional to take your leadership skills personally and professionally to the next level send me an email at hello at mindsetshift.co.uk or just go to the website www.mindsetshift.co.uk now let's get back into today's episode and I remember saying to my coach at the time, who was amazing, who helped me navigate all of that. In fact, when I started working with her, I, I started working with her because I'd just become director. And I was like, I, I said to multiple of us, I said, I need a coach and I need somebody who's not in this organization, but I need to work with somebody who has worked in a sort of similar sort of big teams, but is also a mother. So I went and researched and found this great coach. And it's funny, in the, in the course of our time working together, it helped me realize that actually I didn't want to do this job. So even though I'd got to the, you know, the goal of like, yes, I'm a director, I was like, actually, just this really great question, like, if the job was available to apply for it now, would you apply for it? And when she asked that question, I was just like, no. So it's just, anyway, so when we had those conversations around this transition piece of like, you know, value and who you are and all that sort of thing, and just like recognizing the feelings, because they aren't very real. And sometimes you want to ignore them and everything, but it's just acknowledging them. And now even being able to talk about them quite openly because I get people asked that all the time when they're in a similar sort of circumstance like how you deal with that and and that's when I was able to sit back and go okay what am I good at what do I enjoy doing I love developing people I love supporting other people you know we work in a very hybrid organization I don't really go into the office that much so how can I stay connected in this organization and that's when I was like LinkedIn right everyone's on LinkedIn I can do all of that I was also very I've always been very strategic around my brand I get to control that so how I build relationships I've always been someone who builds relationships with people it doesn't matter whether you're the girl in the reception or the president like I will make an effort to you know every Monday we'd have our all hands and new people would join and I might just send them a message on Slack say hey how was your first week whatever just because that's you know I know how it is and that, that was my way of being like connecting with people so when I kind of changed roles and I had more time. I was like, okay, what stuff can I do that I want to do that I enjoy and I have the time to do? And so I created like a employee advocacy program around LinkedIn and that gave me a chance to teach LinkedIn stuff and do all that with a whole group of people across the organization. I got to build, you know, leadership programs, different things and pour into people in a way that really matters to me. And, and when I left, I was sad, of course, but I was also really in awe of the number of people who came and said to me, you've really impacted me by this. You've really, I've never met you, but I've read your post. I've done this, da, 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 da. And I was just like, and I was into, I thought my husband, I was like, it's just mad. Like, you don't know how you impact and influence people. And our CEO, when we left, she's like, you've had more influence and impact on people than you, than anybody in this organization. And you don't realize that. And I'm not, the title doesn't matter with that. It's about the relationships, it's about the people, it's about how you connect with people and, yeah, all of that so deal with the feelings because they'll come of course but once you come out of that you then start to realize how much of a richer human being you are <laughs> and you're and and I tell this to people all the time you are not your work 
and actually who you are outside of your job is what makes you great at your job okay and i actually tell people go and get a life like please do not be here working all the time go and get a life go and do something go and be a well-rounded person and then come to work and be like the best person you can be at work and that's something i really learned over these last four years i'm not good Flying in a different direction my next question, actually, that you're talking. You are someone who's a very high performer, high achieving person. You are a mother of two kids, I mean, you're, and your husband, different work patterns, all that kind of stuff. How have you managed to maintain a good relationship as both a mother and as a wife? Because I think that's another element of things that we'd already go into that much. Such a good question. I I would start by saying I don't get it right, but I would say that I'm somebody who's very reflective, and I guess this is, is, is that problem solver me. I, I I observe things. Say with my kids, say they're doing something funky behavior wise, and I'm like, okay, what's causing that? Like, what's happened, or what's missing, or you know, how do I need to do that? As a family, we're very close. As a family, my husband and I very intentional about how we spend time with our kids and how we protect certain times to make sure that you know it's, it's family time we recognize when we were both working in the way that we were and then covid hit it, it gave us an opportunity to reevaluate. and we've always been a family about experiences over things like sure they have things but like we, we've always been like how can we create memories and experiences that will stay with them and how can we um build those values and those financial things with them so i don't always get it right let me tell you that so i've had to go through iterations of like try this routine try this thing this didn't work you did it but i think one of the things that sparked the change for me from the director role was when i was forgetting basic stuff to do with my kids like because my mind was so full that i would forget stuff and i was like things that i would never normally forget you know because I'm very, very productive person. I'm very much about rhythms and routines. I don't like to have to keep making decisions that I don't need to make because I just like efficiency. Anybody knows I like efficiency. So when I, so when things start falling through the cracks, I think I've wrote about it as well as I have like, I call them like life leading indicators. They're things that start to tell me that things are going off because, you know, it's, it's simple things. Like if we have delivery more than once in a week, it means that we didn't meal prep properly. And fine is the financial cost of that, but it's more like what happened that you weren't able to like have the time to prepare food for the week, for example, or if you're not sleeping enough, or if you've not spent time with, you know, at home properly, or, you know, the kid, if the kids are late to school, again, it's an indicator of what has happened that they, you know, because I believe, and I said this to my son yesterday, because we were late yesterday, I said, so it starts the night before, let's go back and look at, so all of these things, indicators and tell me things that I need to do and change. I'm a very coachable person, so I like, I like to learn. I don't always get it right, but I, if I see somebody doing something that I think is great, I'll go and ask them, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing it? How can I do it? And I'll take all that in and like adjust it for my family sort of thing. So that's how I've always been. But fundamentally, Shepa, you, I, everything takes time and work. So I'm not gonna have a good marriage if I don't spend time with my husband. So it comes with understanding that and us being very like, where are we going to put this time in? How are we going to do that? So you think things like, we're going to, you know, we're, we're both in the same house and we're not seeing each other all day. So it's like, no, 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 we're going to stop at 12.30 and just get away from my desk and have lunch. Just come down, even for 30 minutes. Little things like that. COVID allowed me now, I take my kids to school, pick them up from school. 
So I have that time. I put things in place. Like I don't do meetings after 3 p.m. Because I'm like, my kids will be home then. I still work. I can I still work and do stuff. I won't do meetings. I can make exceptions, but as a general rule, because that time they're at home. So between like, you know, that time, I, I, I don't want to then feel after running and do a meeting. So if they're home, I can still be downstairs doing stuff. But like I'm with them, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's constant iteration, lots of grace. Recognize that, yeah, I, I do make mistakes, but then like learning from that and like, okay, what can I do differently? Who can help me? <laughs> I also, I get help as well. I don't do everything myself. So at the highest of heights, I'm in terms of like when things are super busy, I had cleaner. I had a woman who make food for me every month and then I'd freeze it and like have stuff available. I don't go shopping in the shops. I think it's a waste of time. <laughs> I'll do everything online. Amazon Prime is my best friend. Like literally, I'm like, I need a costume for shoot a week. Amazon will get it to me even at 11 o'clock at night. It'll come the next day. So just little things like that. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's what that's, that's what I do. And I'm also very reflective as well. So every week I reflect, like, how did the week go? Like, what went well? What did go well? What do I need to do differently for next week? And that helps me because it just makes me more aware to what's happening. In fact, I said Lee's really well because I was going to say, what do you do when things don't go well? How quickly do you rebound back? It really depends on what it is. It depends on what it is. Sometimes something might have happened and I feel really bad about it. And I've learned, I've learned more recently over the years, if I can't change it, I mean, if something's happened, I can't change it. So I'll give myself time to get upset and what have you. And then I'll just make a decision to move on from it because I can't sit in it anymore. It can't, it's not going to change anything. And I've had to learn that because this, you know, we've all made mistakes where we're constantly going over it and going over it and going over it. It doesn't mean I don't go over things, but like, I realize I cannot do anything about it anymore, but I can change going forward, if that makes sense. So when stuff doesn't go well, I think now that I have more headspace as well, I'm very quick to, now when stuff doesn't go well, because I have a, a daily journaling practice, I'll just journal about it. I'll ask myself what's happening. Why did it happen? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? What can I do? And then go from there. Wow. You were telling about your journaling practice. It kind of rimmed. I heard that bit and then just went. Yeah. So because I have a, a daily journaling practice, that really gives me an opportunity to reflect on stuff and analyze it in that sense. So for example, when, when, when I'm feeling a particular one way, I have to kind of challenge myself around like, why am I feeling that way? And like what's actually linking me to feel that way. So it's sort of separating the actual fact of what's happened with like how I'm thinking about it. And I teach this to my kids as well when they like feel a certain one way. I'm like, okay, what is it you're telling about yourself that you're making you feel that way about the thing? So that really helps because it will allow me to process stuff. Sometimes I'll go and have a conversation with a therapist. I I happily do that. Sometimes I'll have times when I just, I, I, I just like recently I was upset about something, but I wasn't really understanding why I was upset or like what the root was causing me to feel upset. So I was like, I'm going to talk to a therapist. So one of the great things with Multiverse, we have access to spill. So you can just book a one-off session. And it was just helpful to talk about it to somebody who can then replay it back to me. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I understand. And I knew what I needed to go and do. So for me, those things really, really help. Just learning to let go. We got a brand new kitchen done last summer. My eldest decided to cut vegetables on the brand new surface and not use a cutting board. 
I saw it. I, of course, I was vexed. But like, what can I do? So when my husband then found out about it, he's like, you don't seem very upset. I said, I've still processed it. Like, what can we do? <laughs> like, it's not going to change anything. And that's the thing. Like, so in the moment, I'll be like upset and I'm just annoyed. But then what can I do? Is there something I can do? I'll go and do it. If I can't do anything, I'll just let it go. It's just taking up space in my head. I also have this mantra, like, if, if, if I have a problem that money can solve, it's not a problem. And it sounds really, I don't know, you know, but like legitimately, if I have a problem and I can go fix it and it just requires me to pay somebody or pay, then it's not a problem. Now that might say, you know, that might come across as like, well, if you don't have money, da, da, da. I understand that. But I'm saying in a general thing of like, if money can solve that problem, it's not a problem in that sense. There are, exactly, there are things that there are general problems that you just cannot do anything about. Then I will think about those things and worry about it. But also, like, going back to faith, I also know that when bad things happen, nothing that's happening to me, God didn't know about it. So he's not sat there in heaven like, oh my gosh, Chichi, I did not know that was going to happen. I'm so sorry. He he knew. So I just, ha I have that faith and that trust that, okay, this is part of some bigger plan. If there's something that I wanted, I didn't get it. It didn't work out the way. I'm just like, okay, I'm upset. I will acknowledge those emotions, but I, okay, you must have something different for me. And I'm, I'm processing that with everything with multiverse and you know it's been four years and leaving and everything and you know it was on my roadmap to leave at some point but it happened sooner than I planned for it so you go through those emotions and I'm like okay well you god you had a better plan for this right now so I I don't know what that looks like I have some ideas of things but like I will make lemonade out of these lemons because ultimately everything's working out for my good and, then, and it's not to sell spiritual and quote bible but that's genuinely what i believe and that's what genuinely keeps me sane because <laughs> this world is too much going on right now so yeah i think it's it's always great to have what you hold on to to be able to help you to navigate and how that works and i know for me in my journey my faith has been super important as well so everyone has their own thing and and that's perfectly okay and um i guess my last question would be in this new season of your sabbatical, what do you hope to achieve? What do I hope to achieve? 100% I want to work in my purpose, whatever God wants for me. That's so important for me right now. I turn 40 next year, next year, emphasis on the next year. I have one more year left. And, <laughs> and, I'm I'm not like fighting the fact that I'm going to turn 40, but I realize that at 40, you're not a child anymore. I think at 30, you can still get away with being like childish in some respects, but at 40, like, like, no, I'm just saying like, I'm grown woman now. So I don't have time to be wasting my life. <laughs> my kids are growing. I want to be a good role model for them. I want to, I don't want to get to the end of my life and just be like, I wasted my life. So in this season, 100% slowing down, like slowing right down. I've operated at such a fast pace for most of my life. So slowing down and not feeling anxious that I'm slowing down. Like, oh my gosh, I should be doing something else. I should be doing this thing, just slowing right down. Taking time just to, just to be and just to read and to learn. Read, just think about what is it that I enjoy doing and, and, and do those things, you know, when you have an opportunity to stop 
it really does bring to the surface all the things that you have been doing and give you an opportunity to, to evaluate like is this something I still want to do is this something that I should be doing am I doing it because I feel like I should be doing it or I genuinely want to do it so spending time with people that matter to me uh more and I and I think being more I use the word observant but in the day-to-day -day of life it's really easy to miss things so like being more present around what's happening with the people that matter most to me so my children and my husband so like I have the headspace to do that more rather than just like flip through life and then enjoy your life you don't know how much time you have and it sounds really cliche but you know with with covid with just like recent things that have happened in our friendship circles and families you, you just don't know you you think you're gonna be here till you're 80 100 whatever you don't know and life just never explains itself in that way so i really want to make every day count and, and not have any regrets about wasting my time because like i'm a highly efficient person i hate wasting time <laughs> but it's 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 looking at it through a different lens of like using the time i have well i just recently read a book called the ruthless elimination of hurry and it's an amazing, it's a fantastic book because it really highlights this fast paced life we live. And even just like, he's like, even just driving at the speed limit or, you know, not think, you know, you want to go to the shops, you want to rush to the quickest queue or you're on your phone, all that. You're just being more present to life. And I, that book really just it was a real eye opener for me of just, yeah. So even in my house, like, you know, I'm so used to, I'm in a call, run downstairs, get a drink, run back upstairs. I'm like, nope, we're going to walk upstairs and we're going to walk down. Just like, there's no rush. So yeah, this season's about slowing down, walking in purpose, being really observant to the things that matter. And and yeah, and just making the most of every, every day I have really. And how would you define leadership? Leadership is not about a title. It's not about a role. I, I genuinely believe everyone is a leader to someone could be a mom leading her kids it could be the kids in the playground leading their friends so leadership is you're somebody who cares because to be a good leader you need to care you need to care about yourself but not in a selfish way I care about yourself I mean you talk about this a lot on your on your podcast around leading yourself well I talk about it a lot when I talk to leaders you you need to you need to know yourself you need to be able to yeah lead yourself and then you need to be able to care about enough about others to be able to help them so you know I define leadership as that ability to help others maximize their potential the the ability to help others grow to help them be a different person than they were last week or a year ago or have you that's leadership if you're working with people and they're still the same they haven't grown they haven't developed they haven't learned more about themselves I don't know how effective you are as a leader you know so and it's not about a title as we know so we're all leaders in one sphere or another. Well, I appreciate this conversation. She didn't have a she didn't have a cure we're going to talk about today. You know, normally you get the questions and all that. I was like, no, we're gonna we're gonna do this. And we're gonna keep it open. But you've just been real. You've been open. Um, you're vulnerable, which I really enjoyed, and you dropped and shared so many different lessons, which I think will make such a massive difference to people who are listening. And I also want to say, my generation proud of you, proud of everything that you've achieved. But more importantly about this season in particular, for someone who's always in the go like she's talked about, slowing down has not been easy, but you are, you're doing it. You're learning how to do it. Day in, day out, you're learning how to do it. And I'm super proud of you. And I'm looking forward to 
the amazing things that come next for you because like I said just keep on elevating thank you and let me say thank you to you because you've been such an incredible friend as well I have moments and Shop will tell you where I just have I'm just really really overwhelmed with so many things and just the, the ability to just help me see sense and to break it down um, but just being a great support through this past year has just been fantastic so thank you so much for all your help and support as well it's an absolute pleasure this is Everything Leadership we'll see you next week While you're still recovering from that amazing conversation, let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Um, more confident in my in in, in myself. Um, when I came back from that holiday, I went over the Christmas holidays, and I came back, and I was uh, I was a, I was a different student. Um, all of a sudden, I, you know, I was able to do my maths, my work. Um, I don't know what kicked in there, whether it was a sense of seeing everybody that looked the same as me. Every